Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this joyous occasion as we discuss an episode about really sad things. <laughs> so the gaming industry as a whole has been going through a lot of changes recently. And, uh, you know, some of them good as far as graphic quality, content of some games coming out. Like, we, we've talked about this a lot, where this past year, these last couple of years, we've seen a real, like, exponential growth in the content of these games and, how like, the polish, just the overall quality there. But when we look at behind the scenes of the games, we're noticing a very different story. We're noticing something a little bit more somber to that effect. And uh, we're noticing a lot of changes that are probably for the worse, to be honest. And they are in direct correlation with the fact that these games are getting bigger and more grand and the graphics quality is just getting higher and higher with the general overall cost of these games going up. We're noticing some industry, some issues within the way that these corporations have been running as of late. And then also with the fact that they are so heavily ingrained in media nowadays, uh, and it seems to be like headline news now, right, with uh, things going on. Uh, there's a lot of things that are being brought out of the shadows, right, out of the closet, so to speak, uh, with allegations of racism, sexual harassment, that kind of stuff. And that's not new, right? Like we've, we've heard about it with Blizzard heavily, but it's still kind of being brought up in other areas as well. And it's it's a sad thing to see, right? And it's kind of crazy to think, right? We can praise these games that are coming out so much, but then we look at the people who are making them or how the companies are being run or what's going on as far as being like cash grabs or layoffs or things like that. And the industry is rampant with it. But is this really a new thing or is it the fact that media is covering it better, right? It's bringing it more to our eyes. It's, it's bringing it out to the front so that we can get to know the developers more. Because when I was a kid, I didn't really care about the people making the game. I just cared about the content. But now we get to know these people by name, right? We get to know who they are as a person. And that affects the overall quality or success of the games that they are currently working on. Now, there's a lot to kind of dissect in this episode, but we're not going to go into like crazy ingrained details, but we are going to be discussing some different things as far as um, a game engine that really burns some bridges with its, with its creators for sure. Uh, a major AAA company that has some massive layoffs coming up and is already doing it currently. Uh, and then some content creators as far as like websites and things like that that have been around for a long time, decades even, right? And they were pivotal to things like Let's Plays and uh, just user-generated content when it came to YouTube or Twitch or, you know, the streaming and that kind of stuff. Uh, kind of going under and going through some massive changes as of lately. Uh, so yeah, why don't we just jump right into it? Uh, I figure let's talk about the game engine first. What do you think? Yeah. All right. So this one hits home for me, right? Uh, Unity has been in the news quite a bit lately uh, with some major issues and for good reason. Uh, they, you know, they are under new management and at first, whenever I, I, when I first heard what they were doing, I was completely shocked. And then I heard who the new CEO was of Unity and I went, oh, never mind. That makes sense. <laughs> right? Like it just does. It's, it's horrible to hear what's going on. But uh, basically, they are upping the cost and making Unity almost inaccessible to content creators, which I think is completely... It's going against everything that Unity stood for. Unity was the reason why indie games became so accessible, so easy to make, and just kind of like blew up the market with all these amazing games that we've never heard of. And a lot of these upstart companies that now made it big or made it mainstream, 
started because Unity was such an open source platform. It was a it was an area for new creators to explore, to experiment, to try out new things. And I mean, I even got my degree using Unity specifically. It, it's a it was an amazing marketplace, and there was so much content out there and people sharing ideas. And now that's no longer going to be a thing, or at least it doesn't feel like it is, right? Uh, they are asking for an astronomical amount of money when you really break it down uh, for each one of the games that are made in Unity. And the first release or the first version, they did revise this, of course, uh, from the Unity change in structure was, I believe, was it as 20 cents a download, right? Something like mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Which is insane when you really think about it, right? If a game gets a million downloads, 20 cents, that's what, $200,000, right? Something like that. So it's, it's you know, for a game like that, and especially if it was a free game, where's this money even going to come from? And then there was another caveat on there where Unity didn't specify this. So it was kind of baked in in the backside, but that counts for every download. That includes re-downloads of a game. And we know how volatile the gaming community can actually be, right? So if a game company decides to piss off or, I mean, retroactively or accidentally pisses off the entire community, everyone can go to Steam right now, download, delete, re-download, delete, re-download, delete this game over and over and over again, and that would charge them 20 cents owed to Unity every single time, right? Of course, that has been revised where now it is now just the initial download. Uh, and they changed it as well to where um, now there is a higher cap to how much money you make versus uh, until you have to pay back Unity, right? So it used to be if you made $100,000, then you owed Unity money. Now, if you make $200,000, then you make them, then you owe Unity money. So they did raise the cap there for smaller indie games, which is nice, right? But still, that initial 20 cent download is still a lot to really think about for these little companies. And I, it, it makes it really difficult to support Unity anymore, right? It makes it very difficult whenever I'm looking, like, as I, I was, I'm designing classes in Unity to teach the youth right now how to use this engine, which I was so passionate about in the past. I love this engine, it was fantastic. It was so accessible. Uh, but now I'm looking at it like, why would I teach these kids this game engine if it's not gonna be accessible to them in the future? If it's not something that they can financially afford to use in the future? Sure, it's free now, but and it's free to use and you can make your game all you want, but once they go to publish, that's when the problem comes. So it's it's kind of one of those where it's deceptive, right? It makes it seem like, oh yeah, we can still use Unity all we want, but Unity is gonna come at you at the back end. And I don't wanna put that on these kids. And I actually had a long conversation with one of the parents that is interested in our Unity classes where they brought that up too. They're like, well, like, I, I want my child to learn this because it's such a, a huge thing right now because there's still a lot of games that are made in Unity. But in the future, is this really a feasible thing? Is this going to be around for the long run? Because we have a lot of people that are bailing out, right? And it's it makes sense. I understand his concerns and I definitely am like mulling all that over and I don't feel comfortable anymore advocating for unity or even wanting to use it anymore because it just it feels like even if you are just running a class or whatever like you're not publishing it feels like i'm still supporting that decision to kind of cripple content creators and the cripple these indie studios that have been working so hard especially when it's a one or two person team like that's a lot of work to put a game out and now all of a sudden that gets thrown in their face like that's that that sucks. That's really hard to deal with. But I don't know, man. Like it's just, it's a it's a crappy situation. It's even though they walked back on that. I mean, how can you really trust a company? You know that you know they wanted to see how far they could step, and obviously they stepped too far. So it's like 
is this something that, you know, 10 years down the line, are they going to try and reintroduce again? Because, I mean, the only reason they did this is for the big games that use Unity, right? Look at Genshin mm-hmm. Impact. Look how much money that makes a year. Billions, right? right? Like, that that's where they would make their money. And it makes sense, right? Like, if you're going to tax the big ones, sure. But it, it's going to hurt all the people that are obviously not Genshin Impact or one of these bigger Unity titles. And Well, it's like that Squid Game, right? That got made. It was a free game that got published out. But the developer said, like, if this continues or rolls out, they would owe, like, $750,000 for a free game. Yeah, it's... Like, yeah, it makes no sense. And like, I'm glad they walked it back. But I also feel like in a, in a bad way, I feel like maybe this is the time where it's like, hmm, maybe we should make games with a different engine other than Unity. And it's like, I was thinking back to the days of when I would play like Flash games, right? And I would see that Unity logo splash up. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a high-quality game, right? Right, yeah. Back in the day, like, you saw a Unity splash screen on a Flash game, and you're like, oh, shit, like, this is going to be cool. And then over the years, you just start realizing, like, oh, man, it's a Unity game? Like, it's just going to be, like... (laughs) It's funny how quickly that changed. Copy-paste. It's weird, but, like, it just... It always seemed like that. And there's so many cool games made with Unity, and... Even though, like, I'm trying to learn Godot right now, there's plugins and stuff for Unity that don't exist on mm-hmm. Godot, right? Yeah. Like, I found one the other day where it's like, oh, if you want to make these, like, PlayStation 1 looking games, like, here's a plugin that'll help you kind of work through that a lot easier. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that. But I also, like, I actually well, my favorite have... plugin is Pro Builder on Unity. It's fantastic. It's basically <laughs> like Lego blocks in Unity, so you can build out a whole level so easily. But Ooh, that's kind of nice. It, it's it's really nice. It is a really good one. So I'm hoping that like Pro Builder does a Godot version or something else. Luckily for me, I never update some things, and like mm. my Unity version, it looks like it's a 2021 build. So I'm like, well, it's old, you know, like. Should just keep it, but um. Yeah, the apparently they also went back and said that the all these charges are going to be for the newer versions. So any games that are made on the, it like it's specific versions now. So you kind of have to like look at what version you have, and you can even opt to remove the splash screen of Unity, made in Unity, so that you don't have to support them at all. It makes me wonder because it's like, well, what's I think I was reading that like some people were saying, well, what's stopping everyone from just using an older version and being fine? But I think there's like complications, like if they want to do like console ports and yeah. stuff. So the so. it seems like they're going they, they probably will lock out um, exporting to certain versions. Mm. So that that's what it feels like it's going to do. Like you might be able to export to you know, like itch.io or something. But when it comes to console exports, it's going to probably be locked out to the the newer versions. That still sucks. You know, it's like. Yeah, <laughs> majorly. And like, there's a ton of other engines in existence, but it, when you really look at like how many games are made in Unity, it's kind of mind boggling. Mm hmm. Yeah, they were a pivotal part of everything for so long. It's, yeah, it's it's a shame. I, you know, it, but it's time for something new to come up. And Godot is a great alternative. I mean, it's it's actually really easy to use. I have the kids using it and they're getting it. And it's it's nice to figure out. Uh, there's a couple things like, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, you put a space in the wrong place and all of a sudden everything breaks and you have to like hunt down a space, <laughs> which is kind of annoying. Right. But uh, besides that, it's it's a very intuitive language. It's uh, simple to use. And it seems like Godot is reacting proactively to what happened with Unity. And mm-hmm. they are uh, really stressing that, like, hey, we are working on developing and perfecting our 3D elements as well. And their 3D engine right now on Godot 4.1 is actually really solid. It's a lot of fun to use. And 
it really does mirror Unity very well. Like even the nav mesh stuff, um, whenever you're developing AI movement and all that, like it looks the same. <laughs> so it does feel like they're basically ripping Unity and just doing, like giving everyone what we wanted, right? Uh, from all that. And for those of you who are converting from Unity to Godot or thinking about it, they do have plugins as well, or you can change it so that your script is C++ or C Sharp, uh, whichever one you prefer, instead of using the GD script. So there are options like that. I will say that there aren't as many tutorials if you are new to Godot uh, that are or new to game design in general that pertain to C++ or C Sharp when working with it. So it's yeah. kind of one of those where, you know, pick what you feel comfortable with. Uh, if you feel comfortable, I mean... Coming from Unity and just going to Godot script, it's not hard. Uh, it really isn't. It's very intuitive. It's easy it's to really learn. Easy. Yeah, it's it's not it's not too complicated. So I would recommend just going with the Godot script so that you can look back at tutorials or look at some forms and kind of get a good understanding of where you need to go. Uh, the one thing I will say that about Godot that I found as a negative is that from version three to version four, some of the syntax did change. So you kind of have to do a little digging on that. Uh, but I'm hoping that with the newer versions of Godot, they don't change the syntax anymore because then they'll just be really confusing, right? So you have... It's weird that they did that in the first place. Yeah, it's a little strange, but it kind of makes sense, right? Like, for instance, with um, uh, Godot 3, their movable character was called a kinematic body, right? Which is something that people are used to whenever we talk about Unity or things like that. Uh, but I think to make it simpler and easier for people to approach it, uh, they changed it to call, uh, be called a character body, right? So it's little things like that that they kind of moved around a little bit, but it's nothing too major. It's all there. It just has a slight naming convention change. You just have to get used to that. But still very powerful. It's still fun to use. As someone who has like no program programming knowledge other than like trying to learn like an, a couple hours worth, GDScript has been really easy um, for me, and has actually made it really easy for me to learn other languages. So like right now I'm doing GDScript, and I went back to C Sharp, and it's just everything is kind of clicking in the place a lot easier for me. Mm -hmm. So now I'm kind of learning both languages, but um, I'm really liking it. Like, I'm focusing on the language first and then looking at the program second, just because I want to get one thing down first. But um, gotcha. I'm really digging it. It's cool. It makes yeah, me want to see cool. like other engines too, though. Like, I want to. I would love to mess around like older engines, right? Like, it'd be fun. It's a lot of work, though. It's pain in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sounds like it. Like, especially if you go back far enough, then you have to start learning machine language. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's frightening. See, seeing how people made games, like, pre-mid-90s is frightening. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, you know, what's crazy is, like, while this was going on with Unity, it's, like, not long after the whole Unreal mm, yep. stuff is happening. Like, everyone, like... Right after the Unity incident, people weren't going to Godot. You just see everyone on Twitter like just going straight for Unreal, even though like Unreal doesn't have that different of a monetization. I think um, it's still an aggressive monetization. It is, yeah, but and it's very, very, very labor intensive on your computer. Yeah, like Unreal is heavy, so I'm very surprised that that was like the next go to, but. I'm surprised, but not right. Cause I mean, unreal is freaking gorgeous to look at. And then everyone well assumes, known. yeah. And everyone assumes that they can just make the prettiest game in the world, but probably catch your computer on fire before you can make that. Right. Like you're not going to make the most gorgeous thing ever have the most rendered graphics. If you're just learning on a laptop, right? Like you need a pretty strong computer to run that kind of stuff. Sad, yeah, like I, I thought about using them, but I wanted to use like the older Unreal. Like I love the uh, the aesthetic of like Unreal Engine 2 or 3, mm. like ones that are not that strong. But like surprisingly, like if you use it to their full capability, like the older Unreals actually look 
pretty decent when you think about it. Like they're not gonna be mind blowing. Like now, Unreal Three was great. It was a really solid one for sure. I and mean, four and five went nuts, but yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, we don't, five is still so new that it's really hard to kind of like gauge kind of what's to expect with it, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's so many things going on. It's kind of like, I feel like making a game with it right now, especially like a solo dev or a small team, I feel like this is coming from someone who hasn't messed around with these kind of editors too much. It seems like it'd be a lot of work because it's like you got lumens, you got all this different stuff you can like tinker with that. I know for me, it would distract me more trying to perfect something rather than, you know, working with more limited tools, I guess is the right word. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big advocate for the phrase, uh, limitation breeds creativity. And I think whenever mm. you give someone who's bre- like completely new to like game design everything, right, then it becomes a severe distraction of what do you actually work on. And a lot of people don't just do the bare bones first, right? Like whenever I teach game design, we don't put a brand new like fully rigged character in there and have all these amazing animations. And it's not completely polished. No, it's it's like solid color cubes and your capsule or a box or whatever the hell just walking around for proof of concepts and then you put your animations and stuff in afterwards right but i want to know that the mechanics are working before i start focusing on the art because the art it will get distracting and i feel like that's one of the big things with uh, unreal right now is that it's very shiny (laughs) and there's a lot going on and i don't think that like a solo team unless they are very knowledgeable or they're dedicating a lot of time to this i don't really think that they're going to get the full effect uh that unity 5 has to offer right now i I don't think it's 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 for small teams it's definitely a game engine that's geared more for um a large team with different departments right so you have someone that is focusing on mechanics a team that's focusing on art right instead of just one person trying to focus on all those things In my opinion, at least. But yeah, I, yeah. and I, I tried Core out actually too, which is their kind of the big reason why they're in the media right now and uh, what's going on with them. Uh, Core is a game engine creator, or game creator, but is using the Fortnite engine. So everything looks like Fortnite, of course, right? <laughs> and it's, it's easily accessible. I had some kids playing around with it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but it just turned into, hey, we made a train. Now let's just import a bunch of vehicles and drive around and just shoot each other. Right. Like it wasn't really like anything. I don't know. I feel like educational behind it. I mean, I'm sure I could have really fought for it, but it turned into more of a play fest because it was Fortnite. Right. And one of the big things is that Epic was really, really pushing this. They really wanted Core to be the more accessible version of Unreal, something that anybody can get into and learn and figure out and they put a lot of money into it right they they f- try to figure and they put a lot of money into the new unreal so like epic has been dropping a lot of money in a lot of different areas i mean look at meta meta or like the their with their an- new animation style it's amazing but it is very very cost heavy right and now they're noticing that a lot of their user created content is actually what is popular and what is making more money like for instance fortnite is on a decline right now it's not making as much money but the things that are making money in fortnite are user generated content so epic is still getting a cut but it's a much smaller margin than what they had anticipated they're hoping for their content to be the money makers and the user generated stuff to just be the extra cherry on top right but that's not what's happening right now. And due to this, they actually have to lay off 16% of their team, which is a huge number, right? Like that's a lot of people uh, when you think about it with a company that size. And not just that, they are actually um, basically getting rid of Bandcamp and Super Awesome, which are two parts of Epic as well. So Bandcamp is now 
I believe becoming part of SoundCloud and Super Awesome is doing its own thing. So they're basically getting rid of Super Awesome completely. So on top of the 16% layoffs that they have, they are now uh, getting rid of two complete departments or companies uh, away from Epic so that they do not have to worry about the cost of those companies as well. So it's uh, it's kind of crazy to see how much change is happening and how many people are losing their jobs or having to pivot to something else. And they're losing the support of Epic, this giant in the gaming industry. Uh, so can you imagine being like super awesome and basically losing the funding of Epic completely? And now you got to figure it out on your own, which super awesome, I guess, is an advertisement thing. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to see what's happening. And I'm curious to see what's going to continue moving forward because they're now seeing the fact that their content is not what people want, right? Mm -hmm. The user-generated content is what people want. So are they, they going... They want Roblox. Yeah. But Fortnite. All these kids want that. And they have to look at their demographic. I don't think that they really paid attention to the demographic when they were making their content because most people nowadays, whenever they're playing Fortnite or things like that, they just want sandbox games. They want to mm -hmm. just do whatever the hell they want. They don't care about quest lines or any of this stuff. And I see it all the time. Like we have kids that are begging to play Fortnite and they want to do esports Fortnite, all this stuff. And in my head, when you say you want to do esports Fortnite, you want to do Battle Royale, you want to compete, right? Like that's what that's supposed to be. But then they come in and they start doing these like little like creator rooms and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's not what this is supposed to be. Right. Like I, now I understand where where your mind is at, child. <laughs> and it is not what we were anticipating. And I think that Epic is going through a very similar thing with that. And it's uh, it's interesting because Fortnite's been a huge giant. It's been a big money maker of theirs. It still is, uh, especially with all the licensing and all that stuff. But I wonder if they spread out too fast too soon. Right. With working with Facebook and then also, they have so many licensing deals out there. It's kind of ridiculous uh, where they even have like Jujutsu Kaisen and Dragon Ball Z and Transformers and right. Like these are big titles that they have to pay royalties to. So they're losing money on a lot of different areas and even Star Wars, right? Like they have the full Star Wars group out there, too. So it's uh, I'm curious is like what are their mindset was that do they really think that they were going to make that much money to offset that right like because that's a lot to do and then with the concerts on top of that in Fortnite, like they were really trying to do something huge with this but the the revenue doesn't make any sense whenever they're basically like i'm sure hasbro took a huge cut right with their transformer stuff and then disney probably being the way it is wanted a massive amount of money just for them to put some skins in their game so it's oh yeah i mean they have even like content creators like every like everything is in fortnite and fortnite really is kind of the poster child for like a metaverse kind of thing it's just in ways that you know it's a battle royale at the end of the day unless they do one of their little events or you know a person makes a map and to me, after hearing how much some people make from some of these maps, it's kind of crazy. It, like you said, I don't think they realized how much money would be made from these. And now they're kind of, you know, pooping the bed because <laughs> that's all people want to play. I mean, like you said, with the demographic, it, it makes sense. Like kids love that sandbox style i mean hell even like what more than 10 years ago we had gary's mod like yeah. kind of doing the same thing like people have always loved that kind of stuff because you can put current stuff into it and still have fun right like with these modes you can put skins of other characters in there and almost create your own story and world like fortnite's not gonna last forever right and i think even though it's always going to be stable, it's not going to be making as much money, I think. You know, like, five years from now, Fortnite will probably always be around, just in the way, like, say, Counter-Strike does, because, you know, in 10 years, a lot of these kids grew up 
that have grown up playing it are going to be like, oh, I feel nostalgic for Fortnite mm-hmm. if they haven't been playing it. So, I mean, I think it's safe in that regard, but Epic in a lot of ways has put so much into just Fortnite that I feel like they haven't ventured out in a long time. And I mean, it makes sense, right? You get comfortable. Like the, the Metatonic, I think that's how you say it, uh, studios, the one that took most of that hit, which, you know, did Fall Guys, which, mm-hmm. you know, that was pretty big for a bit there i remember during the pandemic like people were loving that game and that game is fun like i thought that that game would definitely be lasting longer than it is it and i mean it did get a resurgence out of nowhere for a little bit but you know epic has so many interesting titles from the past and i mean i would love to see a new unreal tournament but that'll never happen yeah because it's just too old but I feel like they need to do something new because this business model isn't going to hold them forever, right? Like the Epic Games Store is never going to be equal to Steam. No, so not even close. all their money will be from the Unreal Engine. And I don't know, it's just bonkers to me because they take in so much money every year, yet they still have to lay people off. It's like... I don't know. You think they would just kind of like move them to a different department or something. Right. That's a sad thing. And I, yeah, I, I, you know, kudos to content creators out there. I think that they actually found a workaround to Unreal's weird monetization cycle with the core Mm -hmm. creator. So I, I think like core creator didn't have as heavy of a monetization that Unreal engine does. So they they found that and they were able to bleed unreal apparently but at the same time i mean it did affect 16% of the workforce there and then on and top I of think- that two separate two separate subsets of epic too so it's a yeah it's a it's a huge hit it's a huge hit i think you get paid more money than what you would do with roblox too so it's just mm-hmm. a win win for creators you know yeah why wouldn't they do that right yeah like oh you want to take 20 percent? sure whatever i made a million dollars i don't care (laughs) right like right yeah it's it's crazy i'm in the wrong business i know and most of these maps are dumb (laughs) skibbity toilet versus freaking goku or something yeah 99 cents and then everyone's fucking buying it yep hell yeah dude who doesn't love a guy sticking his head out of a toilet i hate that video so much (laughs) I have such a disdain for it. <laughs> eh, every generation's got to have their terrible source filmmaker craze. I remember like, what, 10 years ago was Shrek? Yeah, yeah. Shrek was everywhere. Oh, was... Those were the best. Oh, boy. Before yeah. that was Red versus Blue. But yeah. um, yeah. it's interesting because this kind of layoff, it, it goes everywhere. You know, I mean, those are just the two big engines. But when you look at some of the studios that have made really big games in the past, like everybody is getting hit, mm-hmm. you know, three or feet. Ugh, wow. 343 with like Microsoft, the ones that did Halo and stuff, they they took a big brunt of it because Halo Infinite didn't do as well as they thought, which yeah. is a bummer. But, you know, it, it shows that a lot of big studios can't they can't gamble. And I think it's weird because I feel a lot of these big studios are too afraid to gamble because they'll lose money. But at the same time, they get too complacent and don't want to gamble. And then they end up losing money because it's more of the same. You know, no matter what, like, it seems like they just lose money no matter what. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Unless they find that one weird, like, sleeper hit. But it, I, I feel like they just don't know when to pivot, right? Like they really just bleed it dry until they start going into the red. And then it's like, oh, fuck, we need to change right now. Um, Get rid of 20% of the workforce. And then the rest of you guys, I need you to work overtime to figure out the new plan. And right, like it just, it always feels like a constant game of catch up where like they had to, like Epic had to have known that Fortnite was not going to last forever. No game, like, Unless it's Mario, but that's like, 
or Zelda or something like that, right? Like, but we're not constantly being flooded by seasons and, uh, and microtransactions and stuff like that from those games. So no one ever feels like they're getting burned by that stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the big issue where, like, it, you see it all the time with, like, Fortnite. I know people will play it, but they only play when a new season drops for a little bit and then they dip out because they got all the stuff, right? Like, it's yep. not a longevity kind of game. And with Mario, too, or Zelda... I'm not sitting here and playing Mario every fucking day, right? But when a new Mario yeah. comes out, I'll play it because it's it's the new Mario. So like that's why it has longevity. That's why it can continue going on as long as it does is it because they weren't trying to make it an everyday thing. It was something special, right? I I don't know. There's there's a lot that I, I guess from the outs looking from the outside it makes sense, but you know once we're if you're in it. You're probably not seeing those kind of things, right? A lot of people try to copy World of Warcraft in the sense that it can be looked at as like a job, right? Like you spend your six hours of your your day off from work playing WoW and it feels mm-hmm. more like a job. But you get rewarded every like 30 minutes with a new pop-up on the side thing like, you just unlocked this pet. Oh, you right. just unlocked this, you know, and that's... In a lot of ways, that's how mobile games do it, right? They throw a lot of little, like, free gacha stuff at you, keeps you hooked into it with timers, and it, it makes you come back. Now, granted, it'll push a lot of people away, I but yeah. <laughs> it will pull a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. And some games, I think, have done that successfully. A lot of them haven't. Um, but... It is a thing where it is kind of weird where, you know, they try to make you stay on their game daily, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Animal Crossing kind of seemed like a game that tried to do that, but you don't have enough content for it. People are not going to come every day. And yeah. that's just the thing. If you want to have that where people come every day and play your game, you need to have new stuff coming like almost every week, unless it's big stuff. Right. And like you said with Fortnite, that's something people play in the beginning of a season, get what they want, and bounce. That that's how I was for a while. Once the no build came in, like I would play new season for a little bit, get my fill, and then I was like, oh, I'm done mm-hmm. for a couple months. You Same know, thing and, with like Destiny, right? You go in for yeah. a new thing, cool, new raid, red. All right, I'm done. Bye. Right? Yeah, it's it's hard to keep these games as a service interesting, and I think you know with Sony making that their big push for the next coming year or two i think we might start seeing a lot of layoffs and stuff at sony i mean hopefully not but i think we're gonna see an industry-wide layoff i yeah i, I really I mean, do with the way that like games are now made and how much it's actually costing to make these titles and game engines getting more expensive like 3d designers like maya or all those things like their prices are astronomical and they're just going up, right? So mm-hmm. that's even more overhead for these companies. And it's just, it's tough to balance all that stuff out because, yeah, I mean, you're you're in media, so you don't know if it's going to actually make any money back. It could completely flop. I mean, it happens in movies all the time, but it's, it's a gamble that they have to take in order to make this stuff happen. But yeah, I, I do think that with, the rising costs of game engines and developers and all that stuff, like we are going to see a more industry wide layoff very soon. I mean, especially with like kind of what's going on with Embracer Group, how they own so many studios and a lot of big ones, you know, like Gearbox is one big one where, you know, people still play Borderlands to this day. And I mean, it's a great game. Yeah, I, I enjoy those games, but it's weird to think like, Oh, they're selling off Gearbox. Like, I feel like Gearbox is probably one of their better studios that they own mm-hmm. in the sense that it makes money. And when you look at the debt that Embracer Group is in, because just last year they were buying tons of studios, right? They bought Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, Square Enix Montreal, and that was $300 million. Um, and then not long after that, they ended up closing down Square Enix Montreal. And then that was in the same year. And then they bought um, Asmodee. I can't think, can't remember what they did, but that was over um, 2 billion euros 
and then they bought the Lord of the Rings IP um, and a bunch of other stuff for another six hundred million. So they have spent a lot of money, and right now they're in debt at one point four billion dollars. Jesus, which you know it's spend money you don't have. Yeah, that's what they did. And the problem is like a lot of the studios. I would say probably 85% of the studios under the Embracer umbrella. There, there's some big titles, right? Like obviously Borderlands, you know, Dead Island, um, Saints Row was one of them. There was a lot of big names, but they weren't big names in the way that they're going to pull in big money, mm-hmm. right? They're They're known as like, to me, they, I look at them as like how, you know, there's directors out there that specialize in B-movies and they do them really, really well. Or just to like, me, like M. Night Shyamalan's or Wes Craven's, right? It's not for everybody, yeah. but they're like They're for movies. someone yeah. and they do it well. And a lot of the studios, that's how it is. THQ, like they, they have a ton of great games, but it doesn't appeal to everybody. And it's a bummer because a lot of these games surprisingly do well, but they don't do well enough to carry that umbrella back up. Mm-hmm. And like Dead Island 2 was a good example, right? It was in development hell for over 10 years and it sold well, but it didn't sell enough to appease the sales. Mm. And there was a whole issue with Deep Silver and stuff. And then just last month, uh, Volition closed. And they were a studio that's been around, you know, over like close 30 years. And they did Saints Row and other stuff. And it's just because you can't rely on a couple big games to hold a company that big. Like Embracer's at the point now where they're just selling off their studios possibly their ips like i'm pretty sure they're gonna have to sell the lord of the rings ip but who knows how much that'll go for now right because it's so not... i feel like that's an ip that's not really that big like rings of power mm-hmm. was kind of eh. yeah and Gollum it, was eh. it wasn't it wasn't popular enough i think they were really banking on that like mm-hmm. being the next big show the next game of thrones but it just wasn't i think people got burned by game of thrones so it kind of screwed everyone over and with the Lord of the Rings Gollum, I mean, it's a bummer because the studio that made that uh, Data Lake, I actually really liked their pointed click games that they made like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had to close down because of that stupid game. You know, it's it's sad. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, not just game creators are being affected right now, too. And we'll go over getting a little long here, but we'll we'll go over this pretty quickly. But there are content creators out there that are getting affected by these major changes too. And some that are pivotal to, I would say, gaming, like streaming, all that, right? Like the ones that started it and everything like that. I mean, Rooster Teeth has been in the media a lot over the past few years and for not good reasons, right? There's been a lot of sexual harassment allegations like with uh, Ryan Haywood and Adam Kovac. Um, uh, Haywood tried to come back on Twitch, but he was introduced by an, or he was surrounded by an onslaught of people who basically told him, get the fuck out of here, which makes sense, right? He did some horrible, heinous things. Adam Kovac is kind of coming back a little bit, but he's being very open about the issues that he had. He's being seemingly genuine on his apologies and all that stuff as well. Whereas Haywood just kind of came back to Twitch and tried to make it so that that didn't happen, right? <laughs> uh, which, of course, the media, or like the internet's not going to forget. Uh, but one big thing, and you know, like Rooster has been going through a lot of changes. They've lost a lot of their pivotal people. Uh, but one of their channels specifically is closing as of today, or October first. Uh, they put out their last video. It's uh, Burnout Paradise, and it's you know, for those of you who know, it's Achievement Hunter. So Achievement Hunter. 
basically started or was one of the first ones to start the Let's Play channels, right? Like they've been doing this for a long time. 15 years is a long time to be doing Let's Plays. And they've noticed a steady decline in their videos and their content. They've been trying to branch out into different styles and things like that here and there. Uh, but they just were never able to come back from it, right? And so Achievement Hunter is now closing its doors completely. And what there's a lot of things that are kind of coming out over the last couple of years that are shocking to some of the fans, uh, me, myself included, right? I've been watching Achievement Hunter content for a long time, and I still do. Uh, and it's just been, I, I enjoy their content. But then you start looking at what's going on behind the scenes, and it's very upsetting, right? Like, a uh, couple of the people who are pivotal to Achievement Hunter that have been around for since the beginning, it feels like, or just are just so ingrained in my mind as Achievement Hunter don't actually work there, right? Like Matt Bragg, who's like, I, I love that guy. He's great. His content's fantastic. Um, he's still in their videos consistently, but he's not actually a part of Achievement Hunter. He got laid off uh, about a year and a half ago. And then there's a lot of issues with uh, racism and LGBTQ and things like that, like just a lot of just bad talk that's been happening and uh, just really offensive languages that have been used throughout the years that are now finally being brought up. And I think that that just kind of also helped or led to the steady decline of Achievement Hunter. Uh, so... But the the style of Let's Play videos that have been around for ages, I feel are kind of going out as well, right? Like it's not really what people want to watch anymore. People want faster based things or like quicker stuff, right? Like it it it's just not really. They want streams so they can talk to the people nowadays. You know? Yeah, like those long play formats are just kind of dying out, which I mean, I'm still a very big fan of the long play format, but that's just how I it, grew up watching For me, it. it goes back to like the original Let's Plays, right? Where, you know, back on the Something Awful forums, or it was picture-based, right? Where it'd mm. be one post would be like, 40 freaking pictures and it's like a comment under each picture and you know after every couple posts they would leave it up to some of the other people like well what should i do with this character what does he do and it made it very interactive and fun mm -hmm. and i loved it i loved picture let's plays and then video came around and you know changed it quite a bit but it had that interactivity and I feel like once YouTube really made it big where, you know, everyone was able to chime in and do funny comments and stuff, it really changed. But nowadays, like you said, like long plays are good for like background stuff. I mean, for mm -hmm. me, sometimes I'll do like a no commentary because I don't know, a longer game. Like I, I feel like I'm one of those people now where it's like, I'd probably rather watch someone stream because it really depends on the interaction. person, right? Like yeah, unless they're yeah. like, I don't know, like, you know, I don't watch any of the big people, but like Markiplier is kind of funny in that sense where it's like, oh, I don't mind watching this over hyper dude play this game because it's like sometimes it's kind of good, mm -hmm. but it's it definitely is a medium that it, it's not doing so well. And I don't. I don't think Let's Plays in a lot of ways are going to really make a comeback in the way that they were just because mm -hmm. there's so much content for games out there nowadays that it's like, well, if you don't appeal to one person, that person has like 50 other choices of like mm -hmm. people playing that same game. Whereas like five years ago, 10 years ago, it's like you might have been the only person doing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's crazy, you know, how that scene has changed. And honestly, like that whole like content creator journalist side of like the game industry is so, I think it's going through even worse mm -hmm. of um, like a bomb blast. Cause I mean, you have, for me, I was always a big fan of like waypoint, um, which was Vice's uh, gaming section. Mm -hmm. And 
they were just laid off like without notice. That's crazy. Um, and they have their own stuff now, which is cool, but you know, it's still shitty that happened. And then the other one I would always go to was like Giant Bomb, and that was just once fandom bought them, you know, I feel like fandom really ruins a lot of uh, things they purchase. I yeah. also hate the fandom like wikis because they're just ads everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even with an ad blocker, it's still like it's just gross. It's baked into and, the uh, page. Yeah, it's like <sighs> we're starting to see like these big like advertising companies just make websites very unusable and a lot of maybe not the big game sites but like medium-sized ones are using more clickbait articles to like pull people or they're jumping on a subject without full knowledge of it just to be the first or during this whole xbox leak stuff when they were found were basically it was like oh we would want to buy nintendo like to me i feel like that's not something that someone should like people were out there being like, well, what if, what if they did this? And it's like, if you're a journalist, you should be providing the facts rather than speculation. And it's like your credibility, like for me would just tank because I'd rather have someone with facts rather than something that probably will never happen. But that's where we're at with a lot of of the more mainstream publications and it's kind of we're going through a shift you know kind of what you were saying earlier too like in a lot of ways content creators are the new kind of news source for a lot of this stuff but yeah it's it's weird where this industry is going like i'm gonna be very surprised in like five years what's gonna change All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this little conversation here. I know it was kind of like a, a a little bit of a downer subject, but it's one that's incredibly important right now to discuss and to be aware of and what's going on in the industry itself, because it's going to affect the kind of games that are coming out. I mean, with the Unity changes, a lot of developers are now canceling their projects and moving to a different engine completely, which is postponing those games altogether. Uh, there's a lot of those kind of things happening around all throughout, right? Like, so just kind of keep an eye out and uh, be aware of what's going on in the industry itself. But anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games. But until then, bye for now.